All right, if you have a Bible, Colossians chapter 3 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. I don't know if there's any Bibles back there or if you are, yep, you're slacking. Colossians chapter 3. All right, some hands raised there. Isn't God so good? So this morning, I would say this message is one, maybe you've heard snippets of me say, but I would say Colossians chapter 3, these first two verses has been my last year and what God's teaching me, so it's probably going to be pretty easy to teach. Hopefully uh, you learn and grow from it. Holy Spirit, help us. I know I've been helped immensely by the truth of your word. Colossians chapter 3, let's just read the first two verses. It says then, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Verse 3, I will give you a bonus verse here. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We've been going through this book of Colossians, and it's been pretty much doctrine in chapters 1 and 2. Paul's been setting theology of who Jesus is. And that Jesus needs to be the center, and he's correcting some things within the church in Colossae. He had never met them, but he was encouraged by their reputation of having faith and loving one another. Heard that from Epaphras. He's prayed for them. He's told them they are holy because of Jesus. He's given them a beautiful poem or song about Jesus. Last week we learned that it's not their growth wasn't going to be in their effort, in what they could do, in their legalism, in denying themselves to defeat sin. But the real power in the Christian walk is in Jesus Christ and letting go of yourself and truly abiding in him. Amen? Yeah, that was powerful. But now into chapter 3, he gets really practical and he's going to get very practical in chapter 3 and chapter 4. How does that look in how we behave? Because here's who we are, but what should that look like in our behavior and practically in our lives? I personally really enjoy these sections um, because do this, do that, right? It seems a little easier, though if you're doing it out of the wrong motivation, not knowing chapters 1 and 2, you're going to stumble and fall. So today, as we read those verses, you might and probably have, because most of you in this room have been Christians for a long time, have heard sermons on Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. In my family, a year ago, we went through a whole devotional based on Colossians 3 by James Bryan Smith. So every evening, we read at the table one little section, short chapters, which everyone loves, um, Anyways, I thought that was funny, but um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Dad, do we have to do it again? Um, that was me talking to myself. Anyways, uh, but it was very wonderful. He went through each verse and noting how our lives should change. But the first thing we see Paul talks about is our mind. Our mind. And he makes a very clear instruction, knowing truth, we're to set our mind on things above. He has this great theological statement, which comes from chapters 1 and 2, that you, you died, he said, in chapters 1 and 2. You were crucified with Christ, but you were raised with him, and you're new. And this is nothing new for Paul. In all his epistles, he talks about this. So things should be different. And the first thing is our mind, and that we should set it on things above heavenly things. And this is where it comes into what I have been learning this year. And forgive me if it's repetition, but you need to hear it again, because I need to hear it again. And I'm not afraid to teach it again. Our minds are very, very powerful weapons. We don't understand the power of our minds. And science is beginning to obviously understand that our minds actually have the power in some capacity to truly change how we live, even to change sickness in how we think. Really, we're thinking thousands and thousands and thousands of things a day. Now, some people don't think that. Some people aren't as expressive with their thoughts, but it doesn't mean they're not thinking. Just because they're not talking doesn't mean they're not thinking. And they not, might not be thinking the same thing as you, but they're still thinking. I know my wife and I think very different. I'm a verbal processor. My wife, on the other hand, internally thinks things through. So often I'll say, well, what are you thinking? And she'll say, well, I'm thinking nothing. And I'm like, you're lying. You're thinking something. And of course she is, but for me, you see, I process differently, and she processes differently, and it's not we're different, but we're always thinking. Now, I'm not saying everyone's thinking the right things all the time, or the same things. I'm very relational, so I'm always thinking about how people think. Some people are think very practical. I can remember with Stefan, he's more practical, driving him to school one day, and I mentioned this before, I'm like, what are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking, why those washer blades are moving at the rate they are and how that's happening. And I'm thinking, I was trying to think what you were thinking. <laughs> because we're different, but we're all thinking of something, continually thinking. And there is much power in the way we think and what we think about. It's called neuropathways. I didn't know this, but I've been listening and studying a bit to different sermons. And some of us, think certain ways because the way we've been brought up, because the way genetically we've been born, but our experiences play a huge role in how we think. And we are learning then that because of our experience, sometimes our thinking is not best for our health spiritually and even for our health physically. It's almost like these neural pathways, they say, once they are created, because our minds go to the easiest pathway, we'll think the same way we always think. 
So if I'm a natural complainer, which I am sometimes, and let you into my world a bit, or if I'm a natural worrier, my first thought in regards to something that happens might be to worry, right? Or might be to complain because it's the easiest way to think for me and the way my experience has taught me to think. I've created those neural pathways in my head. And that can be very difficult because sometimes we're processing in a way that God doesn't want us to process according to his word. We're more processing to our experience than we are to the truth of what God said. But we have to fight this, and sometimes it's too hard, and we actually give up. Because my first thought seems always the real thought, even though it's not the truth. But there is a great possibility for us to change the way we think. It's almost as I have mentioned to some of you and was a great example for me, if my pathway to my driveway to my house needs to be shoveled and I shovel it and that's almost a neural pathway and it's easiest then for me to walk wherever it's been shoveled. But if I'm walking in a way that's not truth, that's a very difficult thing. So what I have to do instead of the easiest way is get my shovel out and try and shovel a new pathway which is according to the truth of God's word. Does that make sense? Because it makes a lot of sense to me. Because I naturally have to fight what I think sometimes. So this is very scriptural. Like this is like, a huge topic, and here when he says, set your mind on things above, it's almost things we've heard before. For example, in Romans chapter 12, where it would tell us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So if your mind is being controlled by the things you see or how you've been brought up, you are going to be conformed to a way of thinking that you see but Paul says in Romans, no, you need to be transformed, changed in the way you think by the renewing, making new of your mind. Hugely important. David would say in the Psalms all over the place, you need to meditate on God's law. In Psalm 1, he says day and night. The reason being is we naturally will progress away from truth so we need to meditate on God's truth continually to change the way we think, and that will change our behavior. Jesus himself was one to continually spend time with the Father. Whether we see him doing it all night or early in the morning and his disciples are looking for him, if he had to make a big decision, or even if there was a big thing before him, like going to the garden before his crucifixion, it wasn't the first time he went to the garden. It says it was a place he would continually go. So that discipline of being with God in his mind, renewing in what God would want, becomes really, really important. And for us, it's no different. I heard once, if it said in the Old Testament, if Jesus lived it and Paul taught it, we should do it. Amen? Because there's some things in the Old Testament Jesus didn't teach. And Paul certainly 
didn't emphasize. But here we know this idea of meditating on God's truth, on renewing, on being with him. And I think when Jesus with God, he just didn't have his wish list of desires. It was when he was making decisions. It was just simply fellowship, focusing on God's thoughts, connecting, realigning with truth so his thinking wouldn't be conformed to all the things around him. And that's something we certainly need. It's interesting when you think of heaven, because he says, set your mind on things above. Paul even says in 2 Corinthians, I know a man referring to himself that was caught up into the third heaven. Like, you ever wonder, what was that? But it was, I believe, the thought that he was focusing on things set above that he became so close to God that his thinking brought him to a place where he was actually so into the truth of things set above. And as our minds are changed and we think the right way, our lives change. Now, on a trip, I mentioned I had to Colorado in the summer. Amy and I got separated in our seats. I don't know how that happened. And she started talking to the person next to her. I think I've mentioned the story. So I said, well, I better talk to the person next to me. And she talked to the person next to her. And I noticed he had this big textbook out, this young lad. And I said, oh, where are you from? He said, well, I'm Ottawa. You, what are you studying? I'm studying neuroscience. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. The brain. And I saw all these diagrams and these big words. I didn't know how to talk. And so then I thought I'd give him my little bit of knowledge in neuroscience. And I was like, well, I've been learning that uh, you know, if we change our neural pathways, um, we can really heal ourselves physically of a lot of things. And there's types of anxiety and depression that can be healed by proper thinking. And so this is a secular guy. He obviously didn't believe in the Lord. He, he told me that, a young uh, student. I don't know if it was a PhD or a master's he was going at in, in for neuroscience. And he looked at me, well, duh, that's obvious. I'm like, okay. <laughs> didn't quite say it like that, but that's how I felt. So he said, of course science agrees with that. Because they know if you think differently and think prop the proper way, it's going to change everything. Now, obviously, not in regards to chemical difficulties of depression and anxiety. I'm not saying that. But a lot of what we struggle with, believe it or not, can be changed by proper thinking. And I believe that you and me in our spiritual life can be totally transformed by proper thinking. And Paul makes it clear as he's gone through the doctrine of chapters 1 and 2, as I mentioned, he says, now it's time to set your mind on things above. I just received a second-hand 12-year-old hot tub. I love that thing. I call it my prayer tub. Don't bother me when I'm in there, okay? You might think I'm sleeping, I'm praying. But it's got a temperature gauge. And at first, Earl's the one who found it from his neighbor. Yeah, my neighbor sets it at 90. Oh, that was OK for the summer. Uh, but the problem was, it's starting to feel a little cold at 90. My wife nicknamed it the warm tub. It wasn't a hot tub. But it has this temperature dial. And I'm like, hmm. I had a friend tell me, you got to put that baby at 104. 
course, I'm cheap, and I'm thinking about the electricity. But I'm like, if I skip a meal here and there, going out with someone, I can put it at 104. Because when I get in there, I want to be hot. So I set that temperature, and oh, it's lovely, lovely. You can come join me anytime, but it really only fits one person. So, well, one adult and two kids. I've been in there with my kids too. But um, the other day, I went to get in, and I didn't know a fuse blew. And I had just run, and I love going in there after my runs. You know, I don't need to stretch. I'll just let the hot water stretch me, right? And uh, and if I have a nice cold drink, it, it it really helps my prayer life. So. Man, I put my foot in there, and that sucker was freezing. And what's the first thing I did? I went and set, that's the purpose of this whole story, I set the temperature back to 104. Because if it's not set to the proper temperature, it conforms to the temperature of the air. You, in your life, and me in my life, if we are not setting our minds to heavenly things, to Jesus, we will conform to the temperature of our world. And don't think it won't happen to you. Our thinking can change. We will compromise. And we will dig into the things that we never thought we would if we are not constantly checking and setting the temperature to where God wants it. I'm fascinated when he said, think of things above. Those truths to meditate on. Now think of that. We think of Jesus because he says it at the right hand of the Father. And we look at Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. We see he's interceding for us. We see we're forgiven. We see we're a child of God. And even just thinking on those things, each and every day in creating new pathways, thinking that it's all about him changes your life. Not only that, you think of the things he has planned for you. You think if you're in trouble that he's sovereign and he is working. There are times where God has spoken to me. I know it when I'm facing difficult situations or difficult meetings or difficult people and God continually reminds me, I am and that's been over the years because I'm a fearful person. And to cast my thoughts upon his power and his sovereignty erases my fear. Think of sin and temptation if I'm thinking of things above and building my treasure in him and walking with him. Think of how I will handle my finances if I'm thinking about heaven and building for him and my eternity of treasure with him. Think if I'm suffering affliction, and I think of heaven, and it's only passing for a mere moment, because my hope is greater than this world. Think if I thought like that all the time. In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of success, if my mind were on the things above of Jesus, of heaven, and even the beauty, and the idea that eternity is forever, and this world is but for a moment. So any good or bad I have is to have that thinking in regards to, this is only a training ground 
for the real life I've yet to live. That a friend of a friend, his name was Herb, and one of the things he said is, you know, all the unclean creatures in the Bible are always looking down. And I believe I get unclean when I look down and I look at this world. When I look up, I see my forgiveness and the love of Jesus. And truly, that is where I grow. This is nothing new, by the way. Multiple church leaders have been saying this forever. Some people say, oh, meditation, it's a bad thing. Well, I encourage them to look at the Bible. Look at truth. Not only that, the early church fathers continually practiced and those all through the generations were changed by thinking on things above, thinking on Jesus, taking time in their lives to create new neural pathways that would think on truth. I was reminded this week, or not only of this, but I learned of numerous characters reading and listening to numerous sermons about this. And I was introduced to a new character in the 1600s. He was a Puritan, a great Puritan, and his name was Rich, Richard Baxter. He wrote multiple, multiple, multiple books. He was known as a great Christian leader. But the problem that Richard had was he had extreme pain his whole life. They say from the age of 21, there wasn't a minute of any day that he didn't live with pain. From multiple, multiple physical disorders. But yet, near the end of his life, he wrote a book called this, The Practice of Heavenly Meditation, Learning the Saints' Everlasting Rest. And that title just grabbed me. So I went in to read some documents on that book and what it was about. It was a 600-page book, and so I wasn't about to read that, especially when I had to preach in two days. So, Plus the old English. I can't even get through a page. I needed the cliff notes, and I found them. But this practice of meditating on truth and things above was something he took very seriously. So each day, he said, he took half an hour, a discipline, of meditating simply on things above and heaven. He said if the scripture commanded it in his life, he should do it. And it wasn't necessarily studying the word of God. It was simply meditating on what God's word said. It was simply being with the Lord and thinking of the promises and the truth and meditating in his life and what they meant. Just half an hour a day, this heavenly things above meditation. And what came about it was this everlasting rest. Because the pain he experienced each day, he could put in perspective that this life was only for a moment. You know, there's a saying that some people are too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. And I want to tell you, that's a big fat lie. And Richard Baxter's life proves it. In the midst of his pain and his studies and thinking on heaven and making a discipline of it, even this thought of creating a way to think that was according to God's truth and God's way and being in this relationship and thinking on things above, you would say, well, he didn't accomplish anything in his illness in doing that. He wrote so many books that affected people's lives. And they say the town he lived in, in which he was pastor, was totally transformed, and the majority of it came to know Jesus Christ. 
simply from starting from the truth of setting, setting the temperature to things above, not to the things of this world, realizing who he was, who's at the right hand of God, realizing everything that eternity means for us. So I have a new practice for my hot tub, not only just to pray, but probably even more important before I get to my list, is simply taking that time to meditate, to set my thoughts on things above, to actually ask God, how am I thinking today, and is it according to the truth of your word? You will be shocked if you take the time and go through your thoughts to realize how many of them are not true? If you actually will take time to set your mind on things above and ask the Holy Spirit and say to him, God, what way am I thinking is not according to your truth? I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit will convict you in some ways of the way you're thinking, even if it's about sin or your finances or your comfort on this world or how you're handling pain and difficulty. Or think of this. What do you do with people around you? If my mind is set to the things above and eternity, I'll tell you one thing. My boldness will increase in sharing the gospel because if I think of things above, I will have extra motivation to share the truth of Jesus Christ. It's when I think of this world and only this world that I don't see that people are eternal and that they have a destination beyond this place. It totally changes your life. And it certainly will change your behavior. Thinking of heaven, thinking of Christ, the things of Christ, your relationship with him, and where you're going, and how you should act in regard to that. In the book of Genesis, I had the joy of teaching Chapter 5 in Sunday school a couple weeks ago. They're a little more expressive than you guys are up here, by the way. I actually tell them, if you don't be quiet, you're going to have to leave. But I had the story of Enoch. I love the story of Enoch. Maybe you know the story of Enoch this morning. But I can clearly say, here was a man who lived for eternity. He was walking and thinking about God. It says in there that Enoch walked with God. Now, what does that mean? He literally walked with God? Well, that time we don't know, but we don't think that it was like Adam when Adam walked in the garden with God. But it was a note to the relationship he had with God. His lifestyle was all about God. He was in step with God. Maybe in the New Testament when Paul says, walk in the spirit, it's the same kind of idea. But his thinking and his life was so about God. It says that after 365 years, God took him to eternity. The idea in the wording, as I've mentioned, I think many years ago when I taught on Enoch, is the word that he was translated or transposed. So it was the, the same lifestyle, but just taken Higher. Like in music, when you transpose, you just go a little higher or lower. But for him, he was walking and thinking eternity, and God just said, come on up here. 
And people say, well, it must have been easy back then. Well, you know that Enoch was only a couple generations away from the flood where ultimately sin ruled everywhere all the time. And yet this man, only a generation or two from that, was walking in such harmony with God that his thinking and his behavior was so in tune with God that God said, just come on up. Just come on up. And that's an encouragement to me if you say, it's too hard to think the right things. It's too hard to live the life you're talking about. If it can be done in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you have an advantage to Enoch because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Well, I can't be like David. I can't be like Enoch. You know, they're in the Bible. Anyone in the New Testament has a greater gift and power. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Your thinking can be drastically different than it is now if you will take time to simply obey the command, the practical command that Paul gives to set your mind on things above. Not on what you think, not on philosophy, not on what people say, and not on how you feel. <clears throat> Did you hear me? Not on how you feel. I feel, I feel. I heard it once and I believe it now. Your feelings will follow your thinking. And emotions are really important, but they can't be your leader. They have to follow. They have to follow truth. They have to follow the truth of eternity. But when they come together in the right way, it's beautiful because it creates tremendous fruit. Unfortunately, it's not like you can do this exercise once, by the way. I'm going to think of eternity today, and I'm going to be good for the next month. It doesn't work like that. It's every day committing yourself to thinking on things above, to setting the temperature to what it should be. God has given you a great opportunity through the Holy Spirit living in you, through the power of his word which he has given you, to think on truth, to believe truth, to be in a relationship with a God who will speak to you and direct you as you walk with him. Every day is an opportunity to think right. Amen? We need to create some new pathways. You know, this morning we need to do some shoveling. We really do, because the problem is we're going down the same pathways. And it could be down this pathway, or you could be down another pathway. But God wants you to go down his pathway, his truth. What is it you're struggling with this morning? Many of us, myself, maybe I worry, I'm... I'm fearful of the future, whatever it is. Maybe I'm struggling with an affliction. Maybe I'm not sharing my faith. Maybe I'm just too much into the things and the pleasures of this world. Maybe I'm too worried about what people think of me. Maybe I'm studying and I'm not meditating. 
Maybe I see this book as a textbook and not a book that will speak to my heart and change my life. I don't know what it is. We're all different. My wife and I are different, but I can tell you one thing. We're different in our thinking and how we process, but one thing needs to be the same. We need to think on things above. Amen? So, Lord Jesus, this morning we give you praise. We give you thanks. It's Thanksgiving. We need to set our minds on you and give thanks and praise you. Lord, there are so many things after our thoughts. So many things that stimulate our thoughts with the internet, books, television, media, radio. There's so many things. Lord, we want to take time to renew so we will not conform, but rather be transformed. We want to set the temperature of our spiritual lives, our spiritual thinking, to 104. It's no good to hear it unless we practice it. So maybe this morning in just a couple minutes of silence, even before we sing or take communion, why don't we practice setting our mind on things above? Just ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to think right. Examine your thoughts this morning. Spend some time just in this moment of silence, thinking of eternity, thinking of all the verses that you would know about eternity. Think of heaven. Think how long it is. And ask God how that should change the way you're thinking today. Think about what he feels of you, that he loves you. Think that. Believe it as truth. And think of what you're thinking. Correct that. If your identity is in something other than Jesus this morning, would you think right and know your identity needs to be in him? Who you are. You are his son and his daughter. If you're an emotional processor, think truth. If you're an intellectual processor, think truth. So let's take a couple minutes for the Holy Spirit to remind us, to renew us in what's taking our thoughts this morning. And let's bring them into context of things above right now.
you're like me, it's so easy for the mind to drift away from truth. I want to challenge you in the week to come. Would you spend time setting your mind on things above? Would you take time to make it a habit? For a few minutes each day. Set your mind on truth. We're going to take communion now and think of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, I would encourage you. He loves you. He came to this world to die for you. And as He went on that cross, there's something that happened. As you believe in Him, He gives you His righteousness. As you believe in Him, and you accept His forgiveness and His righteousness, heaven is your destination. Think about that. But if you don't know Jesus and you've rejected Him today, I want to encourage you to turn to Him. He loves you so much. The Bible makes it very clear. If you will believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. If you will confess that Jesus died and rose again and believe that, that you will be saved for eternity, that you will be in paradise. And the Bible says there's no pain, there's no sin, there's no trouble, there's no difficulty. Simply fellowship with a perfect That you, maybe you are living under the burden of sin and you don't know forgiveness yet. Just accept and believe. Confess. Turn away from thinking you can do it yourself. Repent and turn to Jesus Christ. If you do that today, I would encourage you to speak to someone. Speak it out. Speak it forth. The elements are in the back. I want you to enjoy and worship and be thankful for Jesus today. If you need prayer for anything, maybe you want prayer to think right, we'd love to pray for you. There'll be brothers and sisters in the back ready to do that as we celebrate communion together. As Stefan sings respectfully and quietly, retrieve the elements. And return back to your seat as you worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.